Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. I love what George Barner said. He was a vision and church consultant. He's an author, written a number of very good books on the church. He understands the church well and He's an analyst of church life, and he explains what vision is. And he says this, he says, vision is the ability to understand the history, the present condition, and the potential of the church, and to conceive a plan for action that will maximize the ministry potential. Let me read that again. It is the ability to understand the history, where we've come from, where we stand right now, the present condition, and then the potential of the church, and then to conceive a plan, an idea, a theme, a plan, action, that will maximize the ministry potential. We believe for and more this year. We believe for more campuses, more growth, more expansion, more of the Holy Spirit in your life, more of God's goodness, more of God's presence. God's got more, and we can't live on little We need to receive all that he's got for us. And vision is so important uh, today. It calls us, it inspires us, it stirs us, and it points us to the possibilities and the favor of God. And Jesus will often give us vision for our lives, but sometimes when we hear the vision of the church and you hear, is is that it? Uh, And there's no specific project. We can almost like lose focus. But it's important to understand that vision, uh, you remember last year we said new beginnings, everyone clapped and it was like, oh, and we saw brand new beginnings, new beginnings in lives, new beginnings in people's businesses, we went into Genesis into new beginnings, and then we started building and demolishing the completely, the, the very first building on this campus, we demolished it, and we now have seen it completed, there's been a brand new beginning of Rivers Church, and you'll find that the vision will unfold it'll become clear to you. The best way I can illustrate that is, we were at a wedding last weekend, and was it last weekend? Yeah, it was last weekend, gosh. And um, in Cape Town, and what they're doing at weddings now is they leave a Polaroid camera lying there, and you can take pictures with a Polaroid of yourself and your spouse and your partner, and then you leave them there. But a Polaroid camera, some of you who don't know what a Polaroid is, it's got film inside, it's a piece of paper. And when you take the picture and you pull the paper out, you can't see anything. But as you stand looking at it, it starts to develop. And as it develops, you go, ah, until it's fully developed. I believe the vision of Rose Church this year will be like, ah. God will make apparent the and more in your life. Some of you are living on on not enough, and God wants to take you way beyond that into the land of more than enough. And we need to begin to look and see what God sees. Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 4 and verse 35, do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. How many know the eyes were open? But what he meant was the things that you can't see that you need to lean in and see because God's got much more and he's ready to do the and more for you. And so I wanna speak to you this morning on believing for the and more of God. Believing for the and more of God. And uh, I wanna look at five things this morning and touch on vision and then 
go into the and more of God. And, and, and it's very important this morning that you catch a vision for your personal life, not just for the church. And the first thing we need to do is we're going to believe for the and more of God is we need to resist a settled success mindset. Resist a settled success mindset. When you become settled, you're in a dangerous place. Great leaders like David and Solomon, after they'd achieved much, settled. And they enjoyed their success too much. And as a result, they went off the boil, ended up in sin, and their end was not as good as their beginning. Are you with me? And uh, we can glory in this large church, the strong rivers church. Gee, look at our buildings. Have you seen our campus? Oh, I know that church. No, no, don't stop there. There is much more for us to do and to believe God for. And we, we're not dissatisfied, we're not greedy, we're not unappreciative, but we said it the 30 years, 30 years and more. And if you look at what our church has done over the years, 2016, when we opened this building, or 2015, we opened this building in 2016, our vision for the year was seeing beyond. Why? Because otherwise people can only see this. We finally arrived at the terminus. And guess what? We began to see beyond. And what did we do? We resisted a settled mindset and Kailami was born. Can I tell you, you can clap if you want to quickly. Can I tell you something that many of you don't know? There was just a smidgen beneath 3,000 adults and children at Kalami last weekend. That's because we saw beyond. If we had just gloried in this and wanted to keep all our people here, you wouldn't have another entire campus impacting a whole section of the city. We've got to keep looking ahead. God's got more. He's got more for us. And we, 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 we saw beyond. And in 2023, we saw again, hey, if we settle now, we, we need to have a whole new beginning. It's after COVID. Let's start all over again. And we needed new offices. How do we do it? Well, the only way to do it was a brand new beginning. We had to take the old building down completely and rebuild it. Do you know that, can I just tell you this? The offices on top of this new building next door, if you look at that domed roof, they are bigger than the entire office block next door. That's how big it is, huge. And so we need to see it before we achieve it. Can you say amen? And if we settled down this morning, the youth were in there because we saw beyond, we made a new beginning, and we must look for more in our lives. In your life today, in your business, in your career, and in your family, God wants to do the and more for you. Let me remind you, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what? What God has prepared for those who love him. God has so much more. Never settle for less than God's best in your life. My life has seen it. We have never settled as a couple. And we've got to continue to believe. Resist a settled success mindset. Number two, remember the purpose of vision. There's a lot of attack on vision if you go on the internet. And churches like ours who cast vision are derided and accused of being unspiritual. But vision does many things, and they won't come up on the screen this morning. I'll rattle them off to you. Number one, vision glorifies God because it puts him in the center. Isn't that the truth? It focuses us as people. We're all focused on one thing today. kind of sharpens us. Number three, it enlarges us and God's kingdom because we think bigger and we see further. Powerful thing vision does. That's the purpose. It builds unity and it invites participation. It says, hey, let's get together and let's all do this together. And then we see great things. You know, we can do much more together than you can do alone. You can have a personal vision, which you must have. 
but a vision that keeps saying, and more. Every week we come, and more. We're trusting God for miracles, and more. We're trusting God for provision, and more. Your business goes through a hard time, but we're believing for, and more. Your marriage is on the brink of collapsing, but we're believing for, and more of grace, and more forgiveness, and more favor. It focuses us, and it pulls us together. It sets markers for us. Your vision does. It sets markers to measure progress. At the end of this year, I guarantee you, we will look back and say, God has indeed given us, and more. There's achievement and improvement. That's the, that's the purpose of vision. It's not just activity. We don't just gather for the sake of gathering. We gather to accomplish something. And vision causes us to focus. And then lastly, it stirs faith. When you, have, when, when you hear a slogan like this or a vision like this, you go, I'm going to trust God for and more. And faith arises. And there's kind of a spurring in us. Rick Warren says this. He says, vision is the ability to see the opportunities within your current circumstances. Can you see the and more in your life right now? Keep focusing and keep looking. You know the word vision, for sight really, it means to see things that are visible, isn't that true? Vision means to see things that are visible. But um, the author of Gulliver's Travels, you remember, you remember the, the writer Jonathan Swift who wrote Gulliver's Travels? He said this, vision is the art of seeing things invisible. Vision opens up that which you can't see and it's powerful, and that's its purpose. Number three, this morning, recognize the power of vision. The power of vision. There's a purpose for it, but it's got tremendous power. It always activates your life, doesn't it? And uh, you get like fresh passion and fresh power. And a couple of things here. Firstly, uh, about vision, and I, I don't want to give it to you all on the screen. Just listen, because some of you don't make notes. I think you're so bright, you just retain. You go out and you say, let me tell you the seven things. How about making notes, church, or taking pictures? Here's the thing about the power of vision. Helps us tackle life with enthusiasm. You'll never have enthusiasm and passion unless you've got vision. It'll drive you. Think of when you, 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 when you, when you buy a house and you want to renovate it. You've got to see what you want to do. Then you work day and night. You'll save money. You cut your finger. You say, it's nothing. Give me a plaster. You bump your knee, your back starts hurting, you just carry on, why? Because you can see something and nothing will put you off. Stirs enthusiasm in you. And some of you are looking for energy, you say, well, I'm 50 now, and I'm getting older. No, 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 you've lost your vision. Because vision makes life worth living. Are you with me? It takes you out of that routine and it sparks you. Someone, I don't know who it was who said this, but this quote's been quoted around the world repeatedly. I think it might even be in one of my books. It, it, it says this, dissatisfaction and discouragement are not caused by the absence of things, but by the absence of vision. When you don't know where and you don't know why, you, there's no enthusiasm. And you think it's, oh, if I only had a nice car, no, everything wears off. Vision keeps you moving into the future. The second thing is it gives clear direction. Vision gives clear direction. Where's this church going this year? We're believing for the and more of God. Where? On new campuses, numbers of people. If the, if, the road, if the road is jammed outside and you get frustrated, say thank you, Jesus, for the and more. Those of you that are pining for an evening service, believe for the and more. Don't know who will be preaching there, but someone will. Are you with me? This is a very practical thing. 
and it gives us clear direction. It points to something. Number three, it unites the church and makes us effective. Everyone centers around it and says, let's believe for this together. Number four, it draws out commitment. If you don't know where you're going, why would you be committed? But when you come to church and you serve as a volunteer, listen, it's hard work serving at Rivers Church. It's chaos out there. People are rude. They don't say, praise God for parking me here. I bless you in Jesus' name. No, they use other words. (laughs) Hectic words. Threaten you with death and murder and all sorts of stuff. No. You think I'm joking, eh? No, 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 no. There There are people who become saints when they come in here. But out there, demons. It takes a lot to volunteer, but why do you? Because we're moving together. And when you see the chaos, you go, we're believing for and more, because God wants us to do more. And I'll talk a bit about the difference between material and spiritual more, because we only focus on the and more materially. No, no. God wants to do more in your life and through your life. So, So be careful you don't think about that only. Number five, it gives us confidence and motivates us to action. Did I say that already? No. Well, I'm saying it now. It gives us confidence and it motivates us to action. Number six, it overcomes the vision killers. Do you know there are common vision killers in our lives and it overcomes them? What are vision killers? You might want to remember these or write them down. It may resonate with you this morning. Fear is a vision killer. I'd like to believe it. Ooh. I want to open my own business. Ooh. Fear. Hmm? Vision killers, look, every church is limited by vision killers. Doubt. Oh, well, you know, that scripture's not, uh, he's quoting that, but I'm not sure God wants to do that. Doubt. Hmm? What other vision killers are there? Tradition. We've always done this. Complacency. Hmm? Fatigue. I'm tired. Can't we just sit in the big building now and stop? No, we can't. Survival thinking. Can we just hold on to what we have? Because if we move forward, we might lose it. No, we won't. Past failures can be vision killers. I tried this before, you know, and I've seen churches like yours, when they expand, that's when the trouble comes. Survival thinking, past failures, negative emotions, smallness, there's smallness in us that and more wants to take away. Are you with me? could be your upbringing. Listen to me. Stinginess is a vision killer. If you sit here holding onto your money and not serving as a volunteer, you are limiting the vision of the church. God wants to do and more, and he can only do and more if you participate and more. Stinginess. Stinginess can be, I'd like to sit in the same place. I want to have my seat. I want to be able to chat to Pastor Andre. Laziness is a vision killer. Spiritual dullness is a vision killer. Selfishness is a vision killer. Listen, this and more is not just about us, it's about others. And lastly, the biggest vision killer, disappointment. The devil knows that if you can be disappointed, you won't believe for more. Ah, I've tried that before. I've been around Pastor Andre, I exercised faith, get over your disappointment. The power of vision is it takes you past those things and you believe God. Number four, and I will spend a bit of time on four and five now as we look at the, the concept of and more. Number four, expecting more from God, obviously, shows faith in the character of God. When you expect more from God, you're showing that you understand and believe that he's a God of more. Many people don't know God is a God of more. 
Abraham was told to look up into the sky. Why? Because God couldn't find anything more than the stars to show him how many descendants he would one day have. Millions and millions and millions of people would come from Abraham. God said, look up into the sky. This is what I'm capable of. Stop looking down, get a vision. And as he looked up, he discovered the God of more. In fact, he declares, El Shaddai. El, that's, that's, that's the God of. And Shaddai means almighty. I mean, you know that, El Shaddai, God almighty. In other words, he's got all power, he's got all resources. But here's the weird thing. When you study the Hebrew, I remember studying this years ago. Study the Hebrew, and the original name for El Shaddai is this, many-breasted one. You've seen the statue of Diana or Artemis. A lot of breasts. Didn't want to use the picture today. Good people. I mean, you can do what you like morally, but don't you dare show breasts in church. But God is the many-breasted one. That's why that statue is trying to mimic who God is. He has got an abundant supply of nurture for anything you need. Why is he many-breasted? Because he finance, marriage, joy, peace, anointing, power. God says, look up in the sky, believe my character, trust in who I am, because I'm the one that gives you everything you need and more. John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you might have life and life in all its fullness. The other translations say and have it abundantly. What does abundantly mean? It means quantity and quality of life. The devil always subtracts, God always adds. Have you noticed that? The devil steals, but God gives us more than enough. That's why when Jesus came, a lot of the miracles he did weren't, weren't like, check this, guys. Good, eh? Because that's what we do. You know, have you seen those people on TV that use mental power and then a cup moves and everyone's like, then next week his viewership goes up. Now, Jesus didn't come to play games. He came to show the God of more than enough was living in him. That he had more than enough for our sin. Think of the miracles that Jesus did, uh, just uh, four of them this morning that we, we know so well. And uh, in John chapter 2 and verse 6, the first miracle was the six water jars. Remember at the wedding? And uh, Jesus said, fill them up, and then he drew out the incredible wine after that. And I want to just tell you something about these. You, you, we've talked about this so many times. But each jar held between 75 and 115 liters. So let's average it out at 100 liters per jar. Can we do that? Six of those jars, in fact, no, per jar, if you, because the hearts are, there's 100 liters. Has anyone got a jar of wine at home? No, we don't. We don't go home and go, if you do, you've got a problem. <laughs> you generally open a bottle. So how many bottles were in each pot? 133. Times it by six, you've got just under 800 bottles. No, wait, this isn't at the start of the wedding. They've already drunk the wine. So what's he saying? I'm the God of and more. Not the God of drunkenness. He's trying to show that he's got more than enough Holy Spirit, abundance, overflow. Wine speaks of joy, salvation. Hmm? Think of the loaves and fishes in John chapter 6. After they'd finished, they picked up 12 baskets full. 5,000 men had eaten. Surely it would have been like, here's the last bit for you. Man, we all ate. No, 12 bar, God's got and more. Think of the catch of fish in Luke chapter five. 
Jesus comes, they haven't caught anything. He says, throw your net on this side. And they pull out so much fish, the Bible says, that their nets break and they had to call other boats. It was more than enough. It would have been nice to have given them 20. She said, we had nothing. Check, we got 20. On the beach in John 21, Jesus calls. Have you caught anything? He knows full well. He's like your mother. Have you cleaned your room? <laughs> Jesus knows. But he calls to them and then he says, throw your net on the other side. And the Bible records this. It says there were large fish. And then it says this, 153 if you've ever read that text, you'll see there were seven of them besides Jesus on the beach. 153 divided by seven. I have to read my notes. Each of them would have got 21.8 fish. About this big. What would one person need with 20? It's a pile like this. The God of more than enough, that's his nature. You need to understand who God is before you can believe what God does. Isn't that true? And Paul encourages us with that well-known verse in the book of Ephesians. He says in Ephesians 3, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Do you know when the prodigal experienced scarcity is when he was out of church, away from his father? I just want to remind you. That's when he, and then how did he recover from scarcity? He remembered his father's character. He thought to himself, hang on a minute, I've received an inheritance. And it says this in Luke's gospel, it's quite profound. Luke chapter 15, my father's servants have more than enough. If the servants have more than enough, he's thinking, what about the sons? He receives half his inheritance, and then he goes back and he even gets more. God is the God of more than enough. My point there, I want to repeat, expecting more shows faith in the character of God. And remember, it's not just about the material. Number five, and I'm going to spend the rest of my few minutes I have here, resist a scarcity mindset. Most people think they don't have enough. I talk to you, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough joy. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough opportunities. South Africa is still complaining about lack of opportunity. You know why? It's a mindset, not a reality. This country is a paradise for people who have eyes to see and the power to work. And if you're annoyed at that comment, just get over yourself. Ask yourself this simple question. Why are foreigners flooding in here? That we have to keep them out and we have to try and get rid of them. We have to try and send them back to Zimbabwe. Why? Because they see what people here cannot see. They have got no vision. And you've got to get rid of a scarcity mindset. You've got to believe that God is an ever-flowing. He, he gee, look what God's given me, and more. I want to remind you, he's done that for Vilma and I in our lives. In that building next door, there were 70 people. We believe for and more. Put up a little office block. Then eventually, we put up a Middle Earth. People in the assemblies of God came. The, the John Bond, when he opened that building, he cried on the stage. Father, he prayed. Bless Andre and Vilma. He was so overcome. We didn't arrive. We believe for and more. Then we're here. Then we're in Durban. Then we're in Belito. Then we're in Kailami. Then we're in Centurion. Got to believe for and more and resist a scarcity mindset. It's a powerful thing. 
There's a psychologist, her name is Dr. Lauren Alexander. She said this in, in a whole study they did. Fixating on thinking you never have enough can become harmful. The reason if you keep thinking about the fact that you don't have enough, it actually drags you down into that. And scarcity in the Bible is never something that God brings unless he allows famines. Scarcity, the Bible teaches, is usually something we do. We create. Let me remind you, Proverbs 6, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Proverbs 24 is the exact same uh, verse repeated. You see, scarcity is not something that God brings. It's, it's, you say, well, what about when there's economic recession? Let me remind you, Psalm 37. I'm so glad you asked. I heard six of you ask the question. Are you with me this morning? Psalm 37 and verse 19. They will not be disgraced in hard times, says the Lord. Even in famine, they will have what? More than enough. Didn't Joseph have more than enough in famine? Didn't he lead a whole nation into more than enough because God showed him the interpretation to the dream? Rachel Starr Thompson, she's a Christian author, has written a book called Worlds Unseen, talks about seeing things that people don't see. And she says this, she says a scarcity mindset is a trap. It keeps us locked in fear, in comparison, in envy and covetousness. It tells us there is not enough. Therefore, we're all in competition with one another for the little there is. There's not enough love. There's not enough recognition. There's not enough ability to succeed. It's a false fear, a lie. The truth, she says, God has placed us on an abundant planet, in an abundant universe. Although we can at times create scarcity through faulty systems, fundamentally abundance is always there. Poverty in the world is not the result of too few resources. It's the result of mismanagement of resources or ignorance or bad decisions well, sometimes what we'd call plain bad luck. You've got to look at your neighbor and say, resist a scarcity mindset. See, Moses, Moses, when he pointed the children of Israel to what God had for them, pointed them to a place where there would be overflow, abundance. Think of this, Egypt, the land of not enough. Slaves, never have enough. You're always begging. You're always living on the back foot. He takes them into the wilderness and it's actually the land of just enough because they get just enough because they're in transition. But his ideal is to take them to Canaan, the land of more than enough. In fact, there's a promise here in the word of God. Let it speak to you because we don't read enough of the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter eight. And I'll read it to you in three sections here. He says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams and, uh, streams and deep springs, gushing gushing out into the valleys and the hills, land with wheat and barley, vines, fig trees and pomegranates, olive oil and honey. They were going, mm. a land where bread will not be what? Scarce and you will lack nothing. That's God's ideal. It's God's character. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. Can I just pause there? Stop watching all these environmental things that tell us we're messing up the earth and we mustn't move forward. How do we make progress and use what God's given us. Way back in the Bible, he told us to go there and dig it up. Amen. Forgive my biblical irritation. <laughs> when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Then he warns us, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his law and his decrees that I'm giving you in this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are what? Satisfied, that tells me it's more than enough. 
Second helping, when you build fine houses, not just houses, and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, speaks to me of the and more of God, then your heart will become proud, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, and you won't attend church. He says he led you. Now he contrasts. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble you and test you so at the end it might go well with you. Can you see God gave? You've got to resist a scarcity mindset because God is a God who's taking you into abundance. And if you come with religious stuff and super spiritual stuff, because here's the thing, never bring your faith or vision down to the level of your experience. Always lift your experience up to the level of the truth and the word of God. F.B. Meyer said this, he said, there are infinite resources in God which he's waiting to employ in human affairs of which we fail to make use. God has got much, much more for us. Listen, you know what happens? The people, are, people are going backwards in the world today, and you know what they're saying? Is we don't run possessions anymore. You say, well, that, how noble is that? There's a guy who wrote a book, and everyone's running after it. Kyle Chiker, The Longing for Less, Living with Minimalism. Listen, I like minimalism in a house. You have, you know, clean counter, one ornament. Our houses over the years become like granny and grandpa. It's like lots of chutas that people have given us. When I look at it, I'm like, this is an old people's house. I like minimalism. Are you with me? So minimalism is nice, but don't get a minimalist mindset. The church mustn't be minimalist. We don't have just one screen. Aren't you glad? Because it helps us serve you. You see, and this, this guy said this, people who have it all now seem to prefer having nothing at all. There's this pattern, but you know why? It's because they're only focusing on the material. We don't just focus on the material more, we focus on the spiritual more. You see, you get dissatisfied when it's just material stuff. We need to believe God for more power, more anointing, more people saved, more campuses planted. How many of you would like to have a campus maybe in the region here? I don't know, maybe Rosebank, maybe in town? I don't know, the churches down south, there's some up north here, which way towards Centurion, maybe in Midrand, I, I, I don't know, but certainly want another 3,000 people like God at Kailami, you've got to see it though, you've got to resist a scarcity mindset, are you with me? Now I want to go quickly, I, I think you need to believe more for your family, more peace, more joy, more satisfaction, your spiritual life, believe more for God's presence, God's power, God's strength in your life. Hmm? And then believe for more, because more is not just about you, it's about others. How can you give more if you can't believe for more? I want the and more of God. I've said this, those of you who've been in the church, forgive me, you've been here many years, you've heard me say this many times, but for the newer people, when I go overseas and I preach, and they tell me, we will give you an honorarium, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I don't say, oh no, they pay me a salary at Rivers, uh, don't give me anything. no. Rivers Church, Santon Campus. Number is given, and it goes into gifted givers, and if it goes into gifted givers, things like this happen because I'm doing what you're doing, and together we're doing. So I want to believe for more, not just so that we can have more luxury. You've got to draw a line in your life. You can have luxury, but you've got to draw a line. Why? Because it's the and more that God wants. God wants, if he can get it to you, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. 
I'm nearly done here. You know, Jacob was very rich. The Bible says he was exceeding rich. In fact, it says this in Genesis, and I'm, I've run out of time. I need to come to a close here. But the Bible says that Genesis, uh, um, Jacob was very rich. He, he, he had uh, flocks and herds. The Bible actually says this in Genesis 30. He grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks. Maybe he worked for his father-in-law, Laban. Now he comes from Laban on a journey, listen to this, and he meets an angel. And he says this to the angel. He doesn't say, how's it? How's it, my China? Give me like a word. No, he grabs him. Cape Town, they say, he grabs him and he says, I will not let you go until you give me a word, until you take me to a nice church. I won't let you go until you bless me. Jacob, why would you want more blessing? You are rich already. He's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about his brother Esau. Wait, don't clap. You're using up moments. He, he's thinking about Esau who is at odds with him and he knows he needs the blessing in order to allow him. As we come to a close here, Genesis 33, he says to Esau, please take my gifts for God has been very generous to me. I have more than enough. Jacob continued to insist, so Esau finally accepted them. God wants you to believe for the and more so that you've got more than enough. Why? Because other people need it. Believe for your business. Believe for your career. Believe for promotion, advancement. Believe for that house. Why should you live crammed with other people? Why should you live like your parents lived? This is a land of opportunity. Own your own asset. Have your own property. Buy your own motor car. Why should you be in a taxi? Hmm? That's hooting all the time in your ears. Pa, 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 pa. Have your own car with the windows closed. You can play Rivers Church. Hallelujah. Believe for the and more of God. And then... Let's together give the and more in our volunteering, in our offerings, in our tithes at the end of the month, and let's see God do and more through Rivers Church. We've only just begun. Can you say amen? We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.